I'm going to do the standard introduction and then we'll just talk and do we like okay. want to plan anything or just do it let's do it I mean, do you let's have just... any ideas i mean we were I, just I don't know. we were just gonna play this one straight for once okay let's cool. freestyle <laughs> <laughs> okay Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia and Ellie, and we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Saudi American and a lesbian. Oh, we <laughs> Did you forget you were a lesbian? I forgot I was a lesbian first. Okay, and <laughs> I was like, "Why the pause, Ellie?" Okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm Ellie. I am bi trans Lebanese, and we were recording here in Texas, New York, and London today. Yeah, we're here with an- another co-host, a guest co-host, Nadia. Hey. Hey, what's up? So Nadia's in New York. Um, Our listeners know who Nadia is. I keep being like, Nadia, we need you. Uh, (laughs) Oh my God, quick. Don't force them to like look up the old episodes. Just tell them like today. What? Uh, Do I talk about myself? Hey, um, I'm I'm also a queer Lebanese person, um, dancer, choreographer, writer, latte art interpreter, flaming trash. Yeah. Yes, flaming trash over here too. We have Tanya Safi on. Hello, Tanya. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being going? here from London. Of course, it's um, it's ten p.m. over here and minus two degrees, but more than happy to be awake and cozy for this chat. Oh been looking gosh. forward to. And you just had a bunch of Laban. <laughs> yes, of course. I got to bring the Lebanese with me everywhere I go. Yeah. What did you have it with? Just like straight? Yeah, look, I try to do the whole like tomb thing to make my mum proud, but you know, I do have a girlfriend and um okay. <laughs> she's not into that. <laughs> nah, she's into it. She's she's used to it by now. As if we could be together. If not, she she gets it. Good, good. What is life other than this than a series of pauses between meals anyway? True. <clears throat> exactly. Exactly. That is what life is about. Um, Tanya, and- can you tell the listeners what you do, like what, what you're doing in London? Yeah. So I um too am a queer Lebanese person. I've I got a bunch of I always call myself a fruit salad, actually. My background is Lebanese, Syrian, Palestinian. Oh and wow. we just went even a little bit of Egyptian. So um, I was born in Australia and I am a filmmaker by, by trade. I did a bit of work for a while with uh, BuzzFeed Australia, who sent me over to Los Angeles for a couple years. And then my partner and I decided to try London after LA wasn't really our scene. So we've been now in London for about a year. And it's awesome. lovely. Do you like it? Yeah, I do. It's, um, there's a really strong Arab queer community here. Um, there are events that are exclusively for Arab LGBT people, which is nothing that I've really ever seen back home in Australia. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a really awesome sense of community here. It's it's really cold, like I was saying. I'm slowly climatizing to that. Um, yeah, coming yeah. from LA. Wow. Yeah. And from Australia, it's just it's uh, it's still a bit foreign to me. But otherwise, I really can't complain. Yeah. Where in Australia yeah. are you from? From Sydney. 
Oh, so, so I, was, I was born there, but my brothers were both born in, in Lebanon. And do you get back yeah. to Lebanon sometimes? Yeah, I've been back heaps of times. I, I lived in Tripoli for a while, actually, um, and I'll be heading back there this year at some point too. So I'm very excited about that. It's yeah. been a long time coming since I've revisited it. Yeah, that'll be cool. And I know, like, Ellie hasn't been back forever. Not as many dogs. <laughs> and... So, so on BuzzFeed, what did you do with them specifically? Like, what was your work like? So, with them? Uh, yeah, I was hired initially by BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed Australia to um, basically spearhead their video department. They didn't have video before. So myself and another colleague, Nick, um, basically started it from scratch. And we, we grew the page and did a whole bunch of news and entertainment videos. So it really ranged from you know, really hard-hitting kind of mini documentaries to uh, puppies meet kittens for the first time. Um, and, yeah, that was the best shoot, as you can imagine. That oh was by God. far the most fun. But then after a couple of years, my uh, my manager in L.A. saw that there was just a bit of a glass ceiling in Sydney and in Australia. So he sent me over to L.A. And um, same thing, I was doing a bunch of kind of like c- covering the rallies and protests um, that were... It was just it was just after Trump was elected. Oh wow! So very kind of you know. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Un- what un- timing to move to the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Basically, my entire family were like, "Well, we'll see you soon then. I guess you'll be returning." <laughs> oh god! <laughs> oh, oh, that's awful like, timing. Literally after all the you know the bans, especially. But you know, we we persevered. We we stuck it out for a wee bit because there was a lot of content to make there. There was a lot of news that that had to be covered, and it was great because I got to meet and work with some really cool people, yeah. uh, including you know LGBT homelessness is pretty pretty rife in in Los Angeles. The numbers are really quite staggering and and shocking. And I covered a lot of stuff on that, um, but also had some opportunities like covering a, a restaurant in, in Toronto that was run entirely by Syrian refugee women. Um, so it was it was a job that allowed for a lot of opportunities, but it just also kind of wrung me dry in many other ways. So mm-hmm. just needed some respite from that. Yeah. I mean, dealing with constant protests and some of the heavier stuff is super emotionally draining i can't imagine doing that work consistently would be good for anyone yeah i think you know prior to be honest prior to that i was doing even more more intense stuff like there was um there was a period of my life where i was in india shooting anti uh, human human trafficking and child slavery uh ngos that was kind of based throughout various districts in um in india and it was with the freedom fund basically that helped to fund those ngos so that was really probably some of the more hard hitting stuff because that's when you're dealing with literal you know um child children who yeah. are victims of slave trade um trade and all this stuff so nothing really compares to that um i think once you once you kind of see something like that and and work in a field like that you also commit to it and it's just part of my life you know but i do i think that the entertainment side of thing also helps to balance balance it out and offer that emotional respite so that you're not constantly in journalism mode you know you can still have a laugh and still I don't know just talk about being queer or talk about kittens like I said you know everyone needs that we're all human Mm -hmm. yeah Um, do you want to talk about like what initially drew you to working in journalism yeah I mean I would love to actually I think it was funnily enough the time that I lived in Tripoli 
really woke me up. I was about 20 or so and I was living in Sydney, right? I had this girlfriend, everything was really cool. And I just woke up one day and I was like, this is just so comfortable. The life here is just so easy and cruisy. It just feels wrong. And I knew that my family had, you know, they had refugee status at one point. They had fled from all these wars and genocides and their stories were so real and Mm-hmm. just horrible and I had this very insular bubble kind of life and I literally decided that morning to to just pack up and spend all my savings and move to Tripoli and my girlfriend thought I was crazy and my parents thought I was too <laughs> and, and I left right and while I was there uh, it was like a few days into it actually um, I was living in Trablos with my tete um, mm-hmm. in Ambusabra and a civil conflict broke out so this, you know, this this Australian, like, odd-looking, androgynous, tattooed <laughs> chick living in Abu Samara was suddenly in this, like, war zone. And it was the first time I'd heard guns and bombing and oh. the apartment shattering, you know, all night, every night and, and hard curfews. And to me, of course, it just absolutely terrified me. Oh. And I thought, this is just what I need to do is, is tell stories. Yeah. I need to bring this story home and I need to talk about being, you know, mixed race and I need to talk about being queer and coming from a Muslim background as well and being, you know, there mm-hmm. were were so many things, the the immigration journey, the, the migration plight, all these things that I'd never seen talked about, especially in Australia, which I think is still very white and traditional in their, in their media. So I brought all that back and I just went straight into film because I thought film and video was the most accessible tool. And I still do. I think it's the strongest tool of communication that we have. That's yeah. where it really, really began and yeah. it will never stop. It's a really powerful yeah. medium. For sure. Is there a lot of anti-Arab sentiment in Australia at the moment? Yeah, there. You know, sadly, back in the fifties um, was when they were begging us all to to come over, migrate over, right? And that's how my judo initially um, came. Hmm. Um, he came. He spent some some years here, and then he he went back to Lebanon. But it was really post nine eleven, which I think affected the entire world, where suddenly, you know, I was in high school at the time, and we were all pretty mixed in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, different cultures hanging out. And suddenly I just, the next day, everyone was segregated. I woke up in this completely different world yeah. where everybody hated Arabs, everybody hated Muslims. And I, for many years, denied being Lebanese. You know, I, I would lie and I would say that I was Italian or Greek, mm. whatever I could to just not be Arab because being Arab was was dirty and it meant you were a terrorist it meant you were violent it meant that you were not part of that culture you know um and i and that's why i think as well i lost a lot of the ability to speak arabic and lebanese because whenever my mom would speak it in the house i would get so mad and i told of course this makes me so upset now to think about i regret it with all my heart but um, I would always say, you know, we speak English here, don't speak to me in Lebanese because there was just mm-hmm. so much racism in school, but that still is alive and well. And it's one big reason why it was so easy for me to leave Australia. And it will always be home, but I'm also so scared of that country, unfortunately. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Um, it's it's interesting that the 9-11 thing wasn't just as 
it, it also was as big of a deal in Australia because I mean we've talked about like our 9/11 or post 9/11 school stories here a lot but um yeah not just an American thing I guess yeah I yeah. think you know the we look we grew up with a lot of American TV media films etc you know and to, to see that happening in the US just shook the the Western world to its core um and yeah it's kind of planted in all of our minds right that that day like it's not it's not something that our generation will ever be able to to wipe from their memory but the aftermath was just really horrific we had riots in in sydney this thing called the cronulla riots where it was basically you know white australians against um lebanese and arab australians and it, it broke out in these in these intense violent riots all over this area like this beach area wow um yeah and a lot of people outside don't don't realize that i think australia paints this very relaxed um you know she'll be right mate yeah <laughs> like, like, surf, like let's just go surfing culture yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and of course we do have you know that is real as well <laughs> but there is a lot that's wrong with it and the, the biggest thing that's wrong with it is how we treat the indigenous traditional owners of that land firstly you know as yeah. they say, there'll right. be justice on stolen land. Yeah. So there's a lot of work to do. Yeah. So much parallel between here at the US and Australia in that exactly. regard. Um, so how did you actually come back to sort of accepting your Lebanese and Arabic self? Like you you uh, you were denying it at that time, most and for mostly self-preservation reasons, but you know, so I've known people who haven't come back from that. How did you? Right. Um, I moved out of home at a very young age um, after coming out. Um, and I was actually, to be honest, it was, a, it was, and I've talked about this in a couple of videos that I've made, but for a while I was homeless because my mum just really struggled to come to terms with me being gay. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I eventually found myself in this area of Sydney called Newtown. And that is actually kind of like, you know the Brooklyn of of New York. You know it's that it's that bubble, that that little <laughs> circle that offers a bit of um, safety mm -hmm. for the, the queers and the freaks and the people that have never belonged anywhere. We all kind of went to Newtown, and it was through finding my own queer community and fighting so hard to find my own family, where where eventually I met these people that felt like me or you know looked like me for the first time at, at 19 meeting other queer Arabs and I realized that it's it's awesome and that we're diamonds in the rough and and we're we're cool you know and yeah. I did I was so proud and I'd never felt it before it was the most beautiful feeling and it's something that's never been questioned it's this unwavering pride now um and I just want I saw the the importance of visibility and I and that's why I'm here today talking to you because if I had that at a younger age you know even just to see a queer Arab on on TV or hear their voice it would have been life-changing for me and expedited all of that horrible horrible time so yeah yeah and I not, know. I um yeah I'm like I'm literally that kid like I saw you in a BuzzFeed video when I was I don't know sometime like early college and I was like oh my god like that I was like oh I can exist you know like that's, that's literally all it took yeah. uh, and I, I know it's like weird 
saying that, you know, because like you want to be known for your work and other things like that. But I've also had people come up to me like me saying similar things like that, just kind of being happy that like, oh, I saw you existing. Like, cool. Like, I didn't even know that Queer Arrows could be a thing until like, I'd say 25. I mean, it wasn't even a term I even would think to Google or anything like that, just because it's like, like, I there was just such a, a, I was like, I'm the only one, so. I literally, I, I literally used to Google it. Oh, <laughs> wow. Just, let's just see what's there. Yeah. Yeah. Ellie and I were like surprised when we started this podcast that the domain, thequeerarabs.com was available. We, I mean, yeah, we were right. partially surprised, but partially not surprised. Well, we also got queerarabs.com. Yeah, we queerarabs.com was also available so we okay i guess this needs to be filled with something um, yeah but see yours start right you know because yeah. this is what everyone has always said whenever something beautiful has begun and then they've looked back on it a decade later two decades five decades you know and and that's beautiful and it, it's of course you know you have to bear the brunt of how confronting that is um yeah. You know, I'm not sure if you get any kind of backlash from the from other communities for it. But... Definitely, yeah. No, in the beginning. We I, all... have, we, have we gotten any hate mail lately? Um, I mean, there's always the occasional thing. Um, at the beginning, we got a lot of negativity. There was a lot of, I mean, it was about... It was outweighed by the positivity for sure, but there was, we got like death threats, you know, but it was, it was nothing that we felt threatened by because it was just emails and messages and stuff that none of it surprised me because like this is kind of the territory that we're walking into. Uh, There was like uh, the sentiment that the Arab community is not ready for this. And it's like, but we're part of the community. So um, yeah. It's all, it was all very expected stuff, but it was very difficult to actually hear those things, but it's so worth it. And uh, we don't intend to stop. We take safety measures. Um, My Saudi family is all still in Saudi Arabia. If I, I'm worried for their safety more than my own. Like if I were to be super public, posting my picture with the podcast and stuff like that. So I think about those types of aspects of safety as a way to balance what we're doing. Yeah. One of my fears though, is like someday we'll be well known enough to be like giving second thought to say, going to visit Lebanon or something. And I was wondering if you actually, you were, since you actually are published on BuzzFeed and are internationally known and all that great stuff. Like, have you ever like thought maybe I shouldn't go to Lebanon or maybe I shouldn't be traveling to these countries? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, that's not something I do want to talk about too publicly Mm -hmm. um, on on this podcast or otherwise. It's more just um, something that is a personal thing, you know? Yeah. I think think in general, it's important to be cautious, of course, and – that's something that only people in our immediate community fully understand. That's fair. And so I think it's important to keep that conversation in a safe space as well. You yeah, know? that's fair. Yeah. On the other hand, this is a podcast that is on the internet and searchable. So, I mean, we yeah. don't have transcripts, but... Yeah, exactly. And and that is the heart. That is the frustrating thing of whenever we do broach these difficult topics of like, oh, the safety aspect and stuff. And when the listeners are not all Arab, not all Middle, Middle East, I, I don't want to contribute to vilifying an entire exactly. region. 
Um, so yeah, so I I guess that's a really good point. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, it's very hard to explain outside of that. Yeah, um, but like I said, it's more about caution, you know, rather than fear. Yeah, that's how I like to, to live life in general because I didn't feel safe in LA, for example. You know, LA. Yeah. Um, I had a very public profile. I had a lot of backlash just for being in very like banal videos where I didn't. The man spreading video. <laughs> Yeah, just like you know you're just there's a there's problems everywhere all over the world um of course it's different when you are public yes but it's no reason to sit at home you know I think like you said it's it's worth it and that's that's what counts and you look at anyone who's ever affected any kind of change Mm -hmm. they've not done it sitting down and unfortunately you know you do have to be somewhat of a scapegoat and yeah um it doesn't make mean it's okay and it doesn't mean to accept it but you know to some level you do have to expect that it will happen exactly like you you've implied yeah that's a good point yeah. um i by the way we loved your man spreading video <laughs> so good because yeah like you said even videos that you wouldn't expect to be controversial and people still find something to nitpick at like you could literally make a video about you know baby lambs and someone would just rip you to shreds for it that that is animal cruelty (laughs) yeah (laughs) how could you publicize lambs without their permission Dita will be all up in your comments section (laughs) oh my god yeah yeah that literally happened to me <laughs> what not lamb but puppies oh. yeah oh, yeah oh. you know oh my God. but it's the internet right like you know yeah. okay the internet people say the internet is cruel the internet is dangerous but they're wrong it's it's a tool just like anything else and it's people who are dangerous and it's people who are cruel and it, you use the internet as a tool to make or break people down you know yeah of course there, there are so many horrible sides to to that because you're allowing for literally anyone to voice their opinion on anything. But at the end of the day, there is so much beauty in it. There is so much accessibility. Suddenly people who, who didn't have access to information or education have that. Or other people's stories like us, you know, we're able to connect. You wouldn't, I wouldn't have known of your existence and otherwise. So right. I do like to kind of focus on, on all the good, that, that comes with where we're at. Um, there'll, there'll always be some some hideous side, unfortunately, but yeah. we just have to take it, take it. Right, yeah. and I feel like, you know, if you're going to get flack for something anyway, you might as well be doing something that is worth it. That's it, for sure. Right. 100%. So what is some, what's a project or like a video or anything that you have done that has meant a lot to you that you want to um, talk about that's such a good question honestly any, I any I, specific video that you're like you think would be a good intro to Tanya Safi if any if any of our listeners haven't looked at your content um, what do you think would be one that was really meaningful to you I honestly think that the most meaningful video that I've ever worked on was the one that I did in India I do um, because mm-hmm. that that meant being in, um, you know, traveling across districts where I was with one producer. Mm -hmm. It was a very small crew and it was extremely dangerous. And to be honest, we were kind of thrown in the deep ends because we didn't know the full context of the people we were meeting. 
And, um, you know, not, I don't want to upset anyone, but I, I had to interview uh, children as young as three who were uh, victims of human trafficking and child slavery. And it was the most um, challenging, if you could call it that. There's no word that describes how difficult this job was. Yeah. And it went on for months and months and it was every day, you know, 12 to, to 18 hours kind of just oh shooting and shooting and uploading, traveling. And there were situations where we, of course, weren't wanted there. And um, myself and my other producer were circled by groups of men and intimidated and, and threatened. Wow. Um, but the work that came from that and the education that was delivered from that was monumental. Um, and it was it was geared toward, you know, people who who otherwise wouldn't wouldn't know still how drastic the numbers were when it comes to modern day slavery in in that region. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a lot of history and and facts when it came to you know how children were stolen on on trains and from Nepal, and it was yeah. told entirely through locals. It wasn't given like a white voice. It was very much just NGOs and meeting people who were just so beautiful, absolutely yeah. selfless human beings, like this lawyer in Varanasi who built his own solar panel boat and he would um, try to get as many kids on the boat to teach them English and he even had a solar panel TV <laughs> and he would, he would feed them and otherwise these children would be working the streets, you know, and some of them are as young as five. And his whole thing, his whole existence was just to to stop as many kids from being, you know, victims as humanly possible. That was his whole existence. And as a lawyer, then offering free legal aid to to people who had been trafficked. So to be able to go there and film this beautiful man and share his story to hundreds of thousands of people was by far the most important thing I've ever done. Wow, that's um, incredible. Yeah, I just know that experience, you know, I, I you know. There's really no word for it. And um, I think that's that's just, you know, I, I speak to a lot of other journalists who kind of work in the news every single day about how those those stories just sit with you, but it's nothing, it doesn't compare at all, like not one iota to how it would feel like for them who have to live that every day. Right. And that's how you get through because you're just simply helping share their story in the hope that it gets better for them because more people can help you know yeah. but um, yeah do you know if um like there was any like policy change or anything that came out of that film or that work no i is, mean is it getting it's, better? it's super corrupt like you you're talking hundreds of years there of, of corruption within government and it's um it's deep mm. it's deep-seated but what they are because they are that's why there are so many ngos because they literally can't rely on the government that is otherwise bribed and and it's just so well known that government officials are bribed to keep quiet about these horrific human rights abuses Mm -hmm. so the whole thing is that they they genuinely needed to reach out to more like philanthropic um people outside of that of that world who otherwise just wouldn't know that it's really happening or just think that it's another you know campaign scam whatever it is um and that's why we were put out in those in literal red light districts and made to film there because it was just like 
you need people to believe you, you know. Yeah, you can't and deny it if you're looking at people's faces. Exactly, yeah. Where can we find or watch this film? Um, yeah, I can send you guys links to it. So they they were, it was partly for the Freedom Fund campaign. So they're a UK-based um, organization over here. Um, so they've they kind of used because it was over months and months, and they've used the footage sporadically for for different campaigns. Oh, but I'll send you back. Yeah, but you know, like back back home in Australia, um, for more grassroots stuff, and I do think grassroots movement is just as important. Mm-hmm. Um, we have we have a long history of um, you know, of course, you look at colonial history of Australia which was only a couple hundred years ago coming up to the date very soon actually invasion day January 26th um sorry what we January 26th um otherwise known as you know an invasion or survival day of the traditional owners of Australia um or what people who celebrate that day call it Australia day it's uh basically the day that marks the beginning of the genocide of indigenous people in Australia and when I was working for BuzzFeed there I did quite a few um kind of you know that blend that marriage of news and entertainment videos on Mm. on things like Australia Day which is otherwise very controversial to talk about you even say Mm. survival day or invasion day and people who celebrate Australia Day are just uh, under attack and violent it's like you know you're, yeah. you're un-Australian, etc. So to create videos around that was quite groundbreaking mm. and um, using, once again, people who are actually Indigenous and not yeah. being a part of that film, not being on camera, instead lending that lens and <laughs> microphone to other people who wow. represent their own community. They, they were some of the most important works from that time. Oh, wow. That's a little, yeah, kind of like Thanksgiving here. Um, Exactly. It's like if exactly. you dare to say anything different, people will jump on you and be like, "Oh, yeah. just, just celebrate it for what it is." It's like, no, we can Wait, talk, but, but that's not what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like we can talk about complexities of Thanksgiving, but yeah. some people just aren't having it, won't acknowledge all that Mm-mm. led to this this holiday. Darling, why do you hate America? <laughs> right. Well, let me start. <laughs> How much time do we have? (laughs) And then some fun video, like some lighthearted fun videos that I want to mention. One that I loved watching is where you, you watched, but I'm a cheerleader. It was so fun to watch your commentary. Oh yeah. Now that, I mean, that is some of the the funnest content where you just get to sit back. (laughs) Um, That was with Amanda. Yeah. That was, that was amazing. That was so much fun. Um, thank you (laughs) yeah I really don't think that that was um, a award-winning performance but I appreciate it it was just like it was just like what I needed at the moment that I watched it I guess good (laughs) yeah 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 everyone needs a laugh right and you also did a video with your mom oh with your mom yes are you talking about the tinder Tinder the tinder yeah yeah tinder with your mom yeah mate I almost completely forgot about that that was by far one of the the most fun videos for me and that that was a fully legitimate experience by the way really Um, oh yeah yeah (laughs) nice um and do you feel like your mom kind of knew you well enough to set up the profile did she 
Do you think it was done pretty accurately? Yeah. I mean, look, we have a funny, tumultuous relationship, but when we get along, we really do get along quite well. And I think she she does know me. Um, yeah. I just loved how heavy she was into, like, reading into everyone's star sign. <laughs> that was her plan. That's great. Yeah, she, she does astrology, so she's really legit into it. Oh, that's awesome. That's really funny. Another fun one was when this guy, um, Lior, oh, yeah. read your mind. The mentalist. What? Yeah, that that sent yeah. me down a whole spiral of watching a bunch of his stuff. Whereas I yeah, just I mean, couldn't. that just sent me into a spiral. Like, my life has never <laughs> been the same since I met that dude. <laughs> I, um, I have I have yeah. to say like I had my eyes on him like a hawk right I was yeah. so skeptical and I was like he's not getting away with shit like I'm I'm watching his hands his eyes I'm watching his assistants but we shot that in a studio without anyone else it was just me him and Nick who was behind the camera and there's just no explanation as to how we knew what I'd drawn I will never understand yeah so for people who haven't seen it Go to YouTube, just type in, I guess you could just type in like mentalist Tanya Safi and you'll find it. It's yeah. trippy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine you had those powers. I don't, I know. I like, <laughs> there was a video where like he was on a talk show and then one of the people just ran out the door. He was like, I can't, I can't anymore. Wow. I mean, he yeah. was just so does, blown away, feel, you know. It feels yeah. like invasive you know you're like i bet yeah yeah but also just like super super human makes you just question everything about life who knows guys who knows i know i just (laughs) nadia have you seen that one yeah yeah Yeah. that's crazy yeah gets it Um, my my grandmother's name is nadia so is mine i'm named after her oh cute man It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to talk about like your um, like future work or like what you're planning to work on in Lebanon or otherwise? Um. Do you know what I or not? That's okay. So I'm at a weird stage in life right now. I I needed a big year to kind of just get over um, how intense my previous career was, Uh, and I'm currently head of video at a production company, and it's a pretty pretty chill job. lots lots of uh production and editing and, and all this stuff but i'm kind of at a stage in my life where i um i'm actually going to be volunteering for a few months so it'll be it'll be in a few areas around the world and kind of just really ad hoc to be totally honest we have a few places planned um but quite literally you know hands on deck wherever we can yeah. um with various um, refugee camps and, and NGOs and organizations and might not necessarily always be with video, but of course that's a really big um, expensive set of skills that I can offer places um, yeah. to create little explainers and, and mini docs. So that's part of it, but also just to help out. Um, so that's been a big aim of, of my of mine for the year. And we'll see where it goes. I really don't know where, where it will land me. I was in the United Nations headquarters a couple months ago talking to them about doing various projects. But I'm I really can't say what where I'll be by at least mid this year. I think that yeah. inshallah it will just all work out and something will uh, land in my lap again. Yeah. But um I don't really wanna do this um, you know, 
intense city city life where I'm just working for myself and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah I can't explain it I don't know if you if you ever you've ever felt that but it's all fine I know exactly what you're saying yeah yeah Yeah. it's a a very specific type of restlessness that I think we have for a reason yeah yeah restlessness that is a very good word for it yeah and I think it's like there's a reason behind it um for sure it's a Mm -hmm. It's It's like, do I really want to be doing this specific thing for the rest of my life and not really contribute? It's like, I don't want to just be the corporate capitalist drone forever, you know? I know. I think about that Uh, so often. And like, because on one hand, it's like, I have to pay the rent. But on the other hand, there's so much I could be doing and should be doing. And like, I'm constantly thinking about that. Yeah, I think as well, um, I didn't realize, to be totally honest, I didn't realize how many volunteer um volunteering networks exist out there where if you really give your time for you know short to long-term periods I'm talking you know two to six months at least a lot of them actually offer offer you things like housing and it's obviously it's humble and it's shared with other volunteers but I don't think people really it's volunteering is kind of like in the foreground of everyone's mind but in the background of what they actually do and we, we all don't want to be drones and we all don't want to just like, you know, walk into work like like clones and, and just yes, sir kind of For guys. Sure. But a lot of us end up in that. But I feel like we can take that autonomy back and at least, yeah. for, you know, the periods throughout the year. And I feel like yeah. where, you know, my partner and I, at least myself, we're fully able, strong, you know, young people that have that freedom we're we're able to travel we're able to Mm -hmm. to go from country to country and I'd like to use that while we can so yeah and I think like I said it can even just be grassroots stuff like yeah honestly I think things like podcasts are just as important and and creating content is just as important. Who Thanks. knows? I, I feel Thank a little you. better I, now. I appreciate that. I often forget that even yeah. things that feel insignificant can be significant to some. Yeah, you have to remember all the those positive messages that you've received and will continue to receive as you grow. Yeah. You know, that's for sure. groundbreaking stuff for someone. Yeah. Is So is your partner going to Lebanon too? Yeah, well, for parts of it, we'll be traveling together. Nice. Um, yeah, so... We're taking we're taking a bit of trip to see her family in other parts of the world and then Lebanon. Yeah, yeah I would really love to go to Palestine one day, but uh, yeah. that will be a little bit trickier. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see one day, maybe in a, in a few years. I didn't realize I that you have um have this mixed background. Like I had only seen the Lebanese part. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, you know, my um my judo was a Syrian orphan. So we don't oh. know his full background. Yeah. And we kind of just slowly discovered more and more about our lineage over time. So it's not wow. been this thing that I grew up even knowing. Yeah. It just, it took a really long time to find out all these bits and pieces. I think that's the case for a lot of Lebanese people. Like my mom's family is basically right. Syrian also. Yeah, right. And So close, right? Yeah, I, I've had this same experience. Like my family also has Syrian and Armenian in it. And I was like, I never hear about this ever. It's like, I have to poke and prod for it. It's like, so what about this? So what about this? And they're like, oh, you don't want to hear about that. I'm like, I'm asking you about it. Please, please do. Yeah, same with mine. They don't really like to talk about it so much. Same with my family. There's a weird sense of purity for like countries that have only existed for like a second, but then they're like, no, we've always only been on this exact land forever. (laughs) 
I know, like, my Saudi family's always like, oh, we're just Saudi. I'm like, no, my grandma's literally Turkish. That's not that long ago. <laughs> Maybe you should just acknowledge that. But yeah. Please let me have... It's just bizarre. Yeah. Can I have history, please? Yes. Please give me history, family. I'm asked. It's like pulling teeth to learn. In your case, with your grandfather being an orphan, that makes total sense it took time for the family to even know yeah and i wanted to do one of those dna tests but i don't know because like we're saying you know of course with migration and war and everything being so close in proximity to one another i think it would just be like you are middle eastern yeah yeah it doesn't mine no. mine just says middle eastern and it doesn't break it down unfortunately how helpful yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I want to do that too, but I'm also like, I don't want to hand that sort of data to a for-profit company to sell. I know? know, I know. I thought about yeah. it after I did it. Too it's late. just one more thing that like, <laughs> every part of me is known by whoever already. Yeah, look, uh, we're all family at the end of the day. Long story short. Exactly. Do you want to raise a camel with us? We're like communally raising a camel, a, a virtual reality camel. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. What's its name? That's the thing. We all have a different name for them. The the camel goes by they, them. And Jamal is what I call our child. Kamala. And then, yeah, Nadia calls them Kamala. We we came up, this camel was born on a previous episode. And it's, I think it, they have like six parents. And we're just wondering, would you wow. like to be the seventh parent? I would be so honored. Oh my god, that means a lot, a lot. Yeah. So, what are you naming this camel? It's all the same camel, but you can call them what feels right to you. I have to be honest, like, immediately as soon as you said you were raising a camel, uh -huh. uh, Zozo came to oh mind. Oh my god, I love yeah. it. Okay, okay, I'm glad. I was a bit nervous to be honest about that. <laughs> no, but... that's that's perfect. I love um, it. Zozo, yeah. And what does cool. this camel represent to you? The family that we're talking about, yeah. the sense of community where we're all over the world, you know, seven parents <laughs> raising yes. this family, symbolic <laughs> of, of our love and determination across the seas to build yeah. something strong and beautiful. I love it. Yeah, it, like we've talked about where does this camel live? How are we going to long distance raise this camel? And we realize like they basically live in space, so... Um, we all have access. And we can't even agree if it has one hump or two. I say two because mm. it represents the two-state solution. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I can only see its face right now. Maybe it will like, metamorphosize a little bit over time. It takes Still early time. Day. That's I think yeah. they have, like, it's, it's not a set number of humps. It's like, you know? Yeah, it doesn't have to have. So, they have a like fluid and um, non-material existence. Yes. And, um, the true humps are in your heart anyway. That's true. Just super yeah. long eyelashes, of course. That's the only prerequisite, right? Of course. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. I'm picturing a really <laughs> deep shade of magenta lipstick on mine with the, oh, with the lashes. And a bow tie. Oh, a bow tie. How old is, how old is Zozo right now? I don't know. I don't They're know. Just what kind of ageless. Ageless, yeah. Yeah, I like, that. I like that. Defying everything, defying time, Space. reality. Yeah. Yeah. Gravity. Physics. Yeah. What a dream. Defying physics. I'm jealous. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the dream. (laughs) And then speaking of (laughs) animals that are amazing, um, Mm -hmm. I just want to say that I love how much you love cats, and so do I. Mm -hmm. It means a lot to me. It's a bit of a problem. (laughs) She's absolutely paralyzed by cats. They are the most perfect creature on earth. You know, they. The Egyptians had it right. Yes. Um, we knew what we were talking about, and mm-hmm. it's up to everyone else to catch up. You know, what it's... more can I say? Yeah. I was just saying to my partner, literally 10 minutes ago before you called, yeah. I said, just tell me one cat you met that was an absolute asshole. You know, like, obviously, some cats are a bit grumpy, but it's for right reason. Exactly. You know? They it's just need almost love. Yeah, it's almost impossible to find one that you that isn't perfect in some way. Exactly. <laughs> I've never you know, they're assholes. They're assholes like perfectly in this charming, exactly. way. You know. Yeah. Yes. I do know. They perfected that whole house persona before House did. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you understand. I do, and it, it physically hurts how much I love them, and I think you relate. It sounds like. Okay, so this is like this is now like yeah. A cat. We have a couple cats at home. This is now a cat support group. A cat support group, cat lovers support group. I live above a cat cafe here, and it was apparently, oh. according to the door, the first cat cafe in London. Oh my um, god! Yeah, so that's where I get my daily dose. I just stare at them like a creep from the window because oh. I don't. I don't have a cat right now. She breaks my heart. Oh. But let's not talk about that. Yeah. That's- <laughs> That, We're not helping. No, no, no. That is getting into very dark territory. I understand. <laughs> Child trafficking and sexual slavery, and this is the dark territory. Hey, you <laughs> called me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and not having a cat on top of it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Nadia lives with a cat. It's her roommate. Lucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not not my cat. I'm just like the cool uncle who like shows up and cuddles but doesn't have to feed him. So yeah, because roommates. So yeah, right. Animals that I don't have to take care of are my favorite kind of animal. Yeah, (laughs) we have a cat around the corner from here that we've named ourselves. Um, its name is Gigi. Apparently, according to us. I love it. That's a great name. (laughs) And he, yeah, he now runs to us every time we walk past. He like runs out of his house. Yeah, Aww. you get you get what you can take in life, you know. Exactly. So, Jesus, yeah. Exactly. Although carrying a bag full of cat treats allows you to take way more. Oh my God, Ellie gave me a Ziploc bag with cat treats in it not long ago, and she was like, "You know what? I am sick and tired of you freaking out every time you see a cat outside, and you can't pet mm-hmm. it. And here you go, and it's it's worked." So I am that person. And surprisingly, TSA did not give you shit about it. I didn't take yeah. it on the flight. But I'm, I'm yet to try that technique, but I respect it. It's another level, I, I admit. It's rewarding. So anyway, um, how can people follow you? What's the best social media platform for you? Uh, Instagram, really. It's just at Tanya Safi. That's where I, I kind of use Instagram the most. And that's where I'll be uploading the next few projects that I do over the year as well. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And then Nadia, where can people follow you? Um, you can follow me on Instagram also, uh, Nadia in her own world, 
or uh, my website is also uh, nadiak.tk. Awesome. You all can email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com or you can email Ahmed for the Arabic side of the podcast, thequeerarabsinarabic at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and our website is thequeerarabs.com. Thank you so much, Tanya. You're amazing. And all the for ones. doing this, for everything Honestly, you do. Thank you. Yeah. No, no, I do. I appreciate you all so much. Thank you so much for, for your kind words, for your time, um, and for your support. I'm glad that I was able to connect with you before I even knew you. And now that we yes. all know each other, it's so much better. We're a family. Oh, God, thank you. I look forward to future co-parenting <laughs> of our camel. <laughs> yeah. Send Zozo some, some love out yeah. there into, out of space. Into this. Yeah into the atmosphere.